0: No bears! Or a Is only at no. There's no other. Thrilled to be here. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid go to the loyola phoenix nick schultz i know sister Jean pretty well
1: i think he's the sports editor there. he is oh, he's right? a sports Doing editor great? sports yes. columnist sports writers and uh and there's Everything. A, there's
0: i'd be lying if i said i wasn't watching baseball in class nick schultz who is a, a rising star in the profession our guy
1: nick schultz covers
0: Well, we've made it. It is week one of the NFL season. Bears and Lions are set to kick off in less than an hour in Detroit, and I'm here to break it all down for you ahead of time. Welcome into the Sunday Sports Shootout here on 88.7 FM WLUW Chicago Sound Alliance. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you for another hour until kickoff from Ford Field. And we have a lot of Bears content to get to today, including a very special guest who came on to talk Bears' pre recorded interview that we did last night, and it will air in just about three minutes here on WLUW. But the big story today around Chicago is we've made it to the start of the NFL season. We weren't sure if we'd get to this point with the COVID-19 pandemic and everything going on. But we're here, and football is back in full force. It was college football yesterday, except the Big Ten, which I'll have some thoughts on all in the second half hour. Also in the second half hour, the Cubs... Big comeback last night over the Brewers. Jason Hayward with the biggest swing of the year. And could this be a shift in momentum toward the playoffs? Could we see something different from this Cubs team going forward? Also, speaking of baseball, the White Sox. 14 runs last night against the Detroit Tigers. It was an impressive offensive display. Jose Abreu continues to make his case for AL MVP. Also, Tim Anderson had a great game. Could the White Sox be for real? Obviously, both teams are going to make the playoffs with the new setup, with the top two teams in each division make the playoffs. Both teams are in. But are the White Sox ahead of schedule now, or are they right on schedule? I'll talk about all of that and some news out of the NBA this week that came out a couple days after our last show aired. A possible new candidate in the Bulls coaching search as Billy Donovan wasn't brought back by the Oklahoma City Thunder and immediately Adrian Wojnarowski at ESPN reported the Bulls were interested, as they should be, because I think he's now number one on the list, even ahead of my top pick, Wes Unseld, and my number my that number two pick, Kenny Atkinson. So I'm going to talk about all of that, all in the second half hour, because the first half hour is all Bears. Opening days here, Mitchell Trubisky is starting, much to many people's dismay, but then again, I don't really like either one of the quarterbacks. And there's also a ton of other storylines to get to including Robert Quinn who was probably the biggest signing of the offseason he's not playing today due to an injury and that came up in my conversation with Cheryl Ray Stout of WBEZ who's been around the Chicago sports scene for I think she said 35 years something like that she's covered Michael Jordan she's covered Derek Rose she's covered Anthony Rizzo Theo Epstein Tim Anderson Mitchell Trubisky everybody you can think of she is all over it over at WBEZ And I love talking to Cheryl. I'm really glad she could take some time to come on the show and talk some Bears. Because we had a great 25-minute conversation yesterday. And we talked about a lot, including the tight end position, Trubisky over Foles, what we think could happen in the game today. There's so much to get to here. And I'm going to quit talking to let you hear it. So here is Cheryl Ray Stout of WBEZ here on the Sunday Sports Shootout on WLUW. It's the Sunday Sports Shootout, WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz, and I'm really excited to welcome in Cheryl ray Stout of WBEZ. She's one of my favorite people in Chicago media, and I'm glad she could come on the show to talk some football because it's Bears opening week. Week one is today. This airs on Sunday. We're recording this on Saturday night, so it's going to be a little a little preview of the Bears game, and maybe some things are outdated, but we'll do our best here, and and Cheryl joins me now. Cheryl, how are you doing? You staying safe and healthy?
1: I'm safe and healthy. Um, I'm zooming around. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like everybody is.
0: They're doing yes. a lot of that. My mom's a teacher. So.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, you know what? It is what it is. I'll tell you one thing is this, the teams have been very good about setting up the, the calls and giving us opportunities. Unfortunately, you miss the nuances of covering players in the locker room, also pregame and postgame, especially with the Bears. You know, you get what they give you. And in some way I think teams like it this way because they get to control the message.
0: No, I agree with that. And I've thought about that, like watching all the coverage and stuff and even listening to it, I listen to the radio a lot and all of it's over zoom and it's a little different, but Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm kind of getting used to it now. So it's going to be a little weird when everything goes back to normal eventually.
1: Hopefully. I want I want normal. <laughs> I
0: do, too. I, was, I said it was a sense of normalcy today yelling at my TV watching Notre Dame football. So I'm like, okay, football's coming back. We're here. We finally made it. Week one's coming up, and Bears are taking on the Lions, and there's a lot of questions still around the Bears, I think partially because there wasn't a full training camp. But the big one was answered, obviously. Mitch Trubisky is starting at quarterback. I want to get your thoughts on that because I'm not sure how the competition went, and I'm not sure what kind of sense you got. So how did you see the quarterback situation develop this offseason?
1: Well, what we saw, what we could see, what we were able to learn was that they split the reps down the middle. And so they had equal footing as to to, play practicing with the ones or practicing with the twos. And from every indication, they were almost equal, but Mitch was a little bit better. And also they have a little more investment with Mitchell Trubisky. You're talking about somebody that was, you know, taken high in the draft. They traded up for him. uh They, they invested in him. But Nick falls and I'll tell you, listening to him when he talked after he did not get the job. This guy is a team. He's a teammate. He's a, he's a terrific teammate. In fact, right after uh, he learned that he was not the guy, he asked Coach Matt Nagy, can I text Mitch and congratulate him? Who does that? So they have the right frame of mind, people. You know, they sound weird, but sometimes you have to do that because let's say it was reversed. Let's say it was Nick Foles and Mitch was the backup. I don't know if it would be the same. I think there's a little bit of a problem with that. And so they were, I think they were kind of a little bit happy that it was equal and, and, but they weren't outstanding. Let's just put it that way. They weren't outstanding, but this is a big, but this decision is on the shoulders of both Matt Nagy and definitely Ryan Pace. If this is not the right decision, somebody going to pay for it at the end of the year.
0: Yeah, I think you just put it perfectly. Like, this goes on both Maggie and Pace. Because I was saying all along, I'm going to be honest, I don't like either of them. I wasn't really sold on either one of them. So you kind of had to pick or choose. And I feel like Mitch had a little bit more of an advantage in a way, just because there's a familiarity there. And I also feel like Foles is better off the bench.
1: Yes. Well, he's proved it. He's won a Super Bowl being coming off the bench. You know, he's that type of guy. But but the thing is, Mitch, uh, we, we do have to add on that last year, he was playing with a bad shoulder. Mm -hmm. And he had surgery right after the season. And he never talked about that. And you have to give him that much credit. So the curiosity is, is he healthy? And will he use his legs? Will he be accurate? How is his feet? How is his decision-making? And the other aspect is, will Matt Nagy be a better play caller? Because he was not a good play caller last year. And I think that's what hurt them throughout that season.
0: You led into my next point with Mitch's legs, with the shoulder. Do you think we can see... Mitchell Trubisky run more this year?
1: I think so. I think he's going to, I think, I think he's going to have to innately use his feet. I think he's got to be able to set up the run, even with his feet or with the team to allow him to pass. So that's something that they have to do. And I think it's going to be a matter of matchups too. And that offensive line, it's almost the same offensive line, except for one player. And that offensive line was really bad last year. I mean, it's one of the reasons why they're one of the worst offenses in the league was because of offensive line. They changed coaches. They brought in Juan Castillo, and I wish fans could, would be able to see Juan Castillo with that team. He's a crazy man. I mean, he is a crazy man with them. But uh, I was talking to uh, Tom Fair while we were at camp, and he says sometimes you have to make that change, and it's just a matter of these guys buying into it and being able to perform when they have to perform and so it's he said it's not rocket science but it's still it's such an important integral part of offenses and that will definitely just you know decide if this bears team is going to be good or bad
0: yeah i agree with you on that with the offensive line and i it can't go anywhere but up i feel like but if it gets
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't no doubt
0: know. yeah i mean if it gets worse there's a lot more problems there than we realize but i think it's got nowhere to go but up but back to the quarterback. Mitch is starting week one against Detroit. I know he's had success against Detroit in the past. How long is his leash, do you think? Like, at what point does Matt Nagy say, okay, Nick, you're in, Mitch, you're done. We got to reevaluate this.
1: I think it's going to be more than a game. I think it's going to be more than a couple games. I think it's going to be a matter of how well they score. Remember, everybody's in the same boat. Nobody had a preseason. Nobody has an advantage. The interesting thing with the Bears is that Remember, Matt Nagy's never used a preseason. This was going to be his first one using preseason with, the, with his starters. So in an interesting way, this may sound odd, some of his players already have that mindset, well, we didn't play the preseason anyway. So they may have that advantage. But I really think that Mitchell Trubisky's got to be able to find his man. And the, with the tight ends being improved, I think because, remember, Matt Nagy, when he was at Kansas City, he liked using the tight ends and being able to have Cole Komet and also Jimmy Graham Talk about two peas in a pod. These guys love each other. It's a love affair, both you guys. <laughs> but the thing is, is that they improve that immensely. Because remember, Trey Burton, he's on the injury list already, so so we know that, that they've improved. <laughs> we, we they've improved themselves there.
0: Yeah, the tight end position is another point I was going to bring up because as I'm a Notre Dame football fan, as I mentioned before, yelling at my TV, and I like really like Colt Komet. Like I yeah. think I might be overhyping. Cole come out a little bit just because of my fandom there. I may or may not have taken him in fantasy football just to take him. But how do you think like he and Jimmy Graham will fit in? Cause I, I feel like they felt like a glove.
1: I, I, I absolutely, I, I agree with you. And, and uh, I, Demetrius Harris, Harris too is going to be good for them. If I said that right. Um, but, <laughs> but the thing is with, uh, with them, I think, especially goal line stances when they're with they, when they have, you know, a, a, a second and, and goal, third and goal, those are going to be your, your targets. I know Allen Robinson, everyone expects him to be, but but in, in that short yardage situation, third and ones, you know, during on the field, I think those guys are going to be really important. Blocking going to be, I don't know how Colkomet is a blocker. I don't know yet. And I think the, we'll find out a little bit more about him tomorrow, uh, tonight, today when they get on the field, because you don't know really until you see it has, is, is he in the same speed of the game? Is it too fast for him or is it right on target? I think that's going to be really important. But Jimmy Graham has really mentored him. And Jimmy Graham seems to reju- rejuvenate it for, for some reason. I don't know, it was because somebody picked him up or it's because he's in a situation. But you, he's got a young man, in Kokomit, I'm not kidding you, he idolizes Jimmy Graham. In fact, when he was a kid, that was a jersey he had. That's awesome. <laughs> so you know you you have and and sometimes you need that, especially because it's been such a strange, you know, training camp. And you know they they were zoom calling until until the last few weeks. You know, being together, being on the field. So I there there's I think that camaraderie is going to be really important. And I think that's going to help Mitchell Trubisky. The wide receiving core is going to be interesting, but I think at least the tight ends are, are going to be improved.
0: I mean, I hope so because last year they Jesper Horsted, I think at one point was. T-E-1, and is he on the practice squad now, or is he just gone entirely? Um, I'm, I, think he's on, I think he's on the practice squad. And that says enough right there.
1: Even if he was gone, like your number one tight end from last year is now on the practice squad. Right. I mean, the practice squad this year, you can have 16 players, including six uh, veterans. So you and, and here's the other thing. The, the practice squads, a lot of teams didn't go outside of their little, their, their little realm. They kept the guys that they had because no one could scout. You couldn't scout anybody in the preseason game. You couldn't scout them with, with you know, um, with training camps not being around. So we'll see a lot more changes probably in the next few weeks when people get to see, have some tape of the other teams and see what they have available and see what their needs are and try to improve their needs. Now let's go over to the defensive side of the ball because I have a lot of questions, and I'm
0: sure you do too, about Robert Quinn. Has he practiced at all?
1: is he hurt? What's going on with that? When, when you hear personal issues, and that's what they used. Uh, is now that we, what they used for him? That's what they used for him. Uh, and then then then, late this last week, we heard he had something with his ankle. But we don't know. And, and here's the interesting thing. Matt Nagy, who used to be pretty open about injuries, he zipped up his mouth. He doesn't, doesn't give us anything, which is John Foxy. Oh, God. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's on that par which which kind of baffles all of us that know that you know to know a little bit but we have no and you paid all this money for him and he's doubtful for the game today and when you got a player that's doubtful for the game when you paid a lot of money you, you got rid of your former number one pick leonard floyd and you replace him with robert quinn and he's not more than likely not going to be on the field those are big question marks
0: and again, like I said, we're recording this Saturday night, so things could have changed after the interview, but I, I kind of put on my conspiracy theorist hat here. Is Matt Nagy playing games with the Lions? Could he be, could, could
1: that be a possibility? Um, he could be, but usually, generally, they, they, they have to be very careful because if they are playing games, once you have the injury list, there's a lot that the National Football League comes down on teams because the whole oh. gambling aspect, the gambling thing, really, especially now that it's legal, there's a lot of uh, you could be fine if you're playing with 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 your with your injured list. So the, I don't think he is. I think there's something we don't we don't know. And it's just like last year with Roquan Smith, where you had this big question mark. It's the same question mark we have with Robert Quinn at this point.
0: Yeah, I wasn't sure what kind of rules the NFL had in place for injury lists, but that was just again putting the conspiracy theorists hat on. Like, wait a minute here, like things are just not adding up in that way. And like I guess that I know
1: I'm not the only one with questions. I think there's a lot of questions that everyone's <laughs> going to have when it comes to the NFL and the games and players and stuff like that. It's going to be crazy. Mm-hmm. It's going to be crazy. And I want to bring this up. Guess who's going to be sitting there in the suite watching her team play? Virginia, Virginia going. Oh, 97-year-old Virginia McCaskey is going to be there. Uh, George McCaskey confirmed that to us this week, and he said that, yes, my mom's going to be there. They're going to take all sorts of precautions because – uh, the the uh, Mrs. Ford. He always refers to her. Mrs. Ford, and his mom are very close friends. But they're not going to see each other like they normally do. But the matriarch, ninety-seven years old, she's going to be at that game. You can't keep her away. No, no.
0: <laughs> and she seems she seems like the kind of person that would do that. Like I'm not surprised in any way that she's going to go out in the middle of the pandemic. Like that's that's so cool to me.
1: That is, I mean, uh, George McCaskey, her her son, the chairman of, of the Bears, he told us that one of the things that he wants to make sure she's very careful, they're keeping people away from her at uh, Ford Stadium today. She's, you know, she's going to be completely, you know, almost like they're going to put a vacuum around her to make sure nobody touches her, nobody goes near her. But, you know, can you imagine all the football she has seen in her life? And, and, uh, when, when George was talking about, her, she's excited about the season because she doesn't know what's going to, ha- no one knows what's going to happen, you know? And, and when you're at 97, boy, I'd be glad to know anything at 97. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, totally. That's, that is so, that is so cool. But staying on the injury front, I know with the injury list, I saw David Montgomery, yes. Khalil Mack, and there were a couple of, I think Buster Screen was on there too. Are they going to be good to go? I know they were limited last I saw.
1: They they all practiced on Friday. And since they were all on the field on Friday, you can you can assume that they're going to be playing today. Uh, David Montgomery, uh, I, I don't know how many snaps he's going to take, but he's expected to be on the field. Again, anything can change. You know, when you have an injury, it could, it could flare up or it may be just fine the day of. But the way they listed him on the injury list, he's expected to play. Uh, he's, he's going to be very important if this team wants to step forward with their offense, especially the running game, which was putrid last year. And so he's going to be needed. Cordero Patterson is also going to be a running back and a wide receiver, but he can be mostly a running back. And you got Tariq Cohen, who's in a contract year. So you've got some some players that have some ability. We just don't know if Matt Nagy is going to use them right.
0: And I hope he does. And using Cordero Patterson as a running back and wide receiver, that's that sounds like a Matt Nagy trick play that's coming up or something. I feel like he, that, is there more of those coming? I hope like Santa's Slay and uh, what, were the, what was the other one? It was like a Willy Wonka one or something. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, 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 <laughs> I think, I think for Matt, he's got to go back to what he did his first year there, but, but maybe the fact that he did that, a lot of teams caught up to him. It's a matter of making, he's got to learn how to make adjustments on the fly and that's what he didn't do last year. When, when you, when you, when you had something that worked, and you tried it again, and everyone figured out how to handle it, you got to make adjustments. And that's what he had to do. And adjustment came in personnel. also came in when he hired a new offensive coordinator and Bill Lazor and, you know, brought in uh, a new a quarterback's coach. So he's done a lot of things to uh, make adjustments. And it's going to be interesting to see how they're all going to be used and who's going to be getting most of the, you know, the snaps and who's going to be getting, um, you know, who's who, – who's, what can Mitch Trubisky – Make a decision quickly enough if something's not working. That's what's going to be important.
0: Talking with Cheryl Ray Stout here on the Sunday Sports Shootout, eighty 88.7. All right, there are a lot of questions around the quarterback controversy and situation. I know we could talk all day about that, but I have to ask you about the kicker situation oh. <laughs> because we have an old friend in Cairo Santos back. Yes, What he, is going on with the kicker situation? Yes,
1: and, and on Saturday, they did activate him off the practice squad. So he that. is going to be the kicker. And, uh, you know, remember last year they had eight kickers in camp, Mm -hmm. eight kickers in camp. So, and it finally ended up to be Eddie Pinero and Eddie had an okay year, but not a great year. He, you know, he had a couple winning kicks, but he also missed several kicks. And, uh, Cairo Santos is somebody that Matt Nagy is familiar with, even though he had a cup of coffee with the bears one season. He's somebody that Matt Nagy is familiar with. Um, he was with three teams last year. Um, he didn't have a spectacular year, but it's going to be necessary. And, and it's going to, I think what's going to be interesting this year. Is I think Nick, it's going to be interesting to see how many teams are going to go on fourth and one this year and 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 go for you know like go for a first down rather than kick a field goal. I think we're going to see a lot more of that this year than we've ever seen before. I hadn't thought about that. That's that's an interesting
0: take, and I could see that with the Bears because I don't trust Cairo Santos. I wouldn't trust him from twenty yards out. I mean, he he missed four field goals in a game last year, didn't he?
1: Yes, he did. Yes, he did, <laughs> and, and and that was noted when we were talking to him the other day. <laughs> you know, that's something you should be able to take care of. I I don't I don't understand it. I don't know if it's um, their coaching. I don't know if it's their uh, how Matt, how Ryan Pace figures it out. I don't know. But when you look in the league, look throughout the league. How many have premier kickers? One of them, of course, is in San Francisco, who used to be here. But you just, there isn't just a twist lower... the knife while you're at
0: it, Cheryl. Just twist the knife.
1: <laughs> Let me tell you about Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold, don't people remember he had a, he had a really bad final year with the Bears? Mm-hmm. What he did on his own was he went and, and he was with the Giants for that year. And then what he did is he went to get fixed. He knew he wasn't good and, that, and he took it upon himself. The Bears were wrong for not trying to re-sign him.
0: Yeah, I agree 110%. I said it over and over again. I I loved Robbie Gold, And the kicking position has been a question mark ever since. And I still have nightmares about the double doink, along (laughs) with
1: many other people, I'm assuming. And I knew about the double doink coming. I knew about when he originally missed it, the kick, because he had never, I I actually was at Hellas Hall. Everyone was going to different, not uh, in November, when he started missing kicks. I went to him and I said, have you gone down to Soldier Field? And he said, no. And I went, you haven't gone down to Soldier Field? He goes, well, you know, we have the same conditions up here. I go, no, the conditions up at Hellas Hall is not the same as Soldier Field. And he goes, and, and and I said, you know, previous kickers used to go down to Soldier Field on Thursday and Friday and, 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 and practice down there. And he says, yeah, he, doesn't, he doesn't think it was possible. I said, well, why don't you get, and I said to him, why don't you get uh, George McCaskey to get you a helicopter? And he says, no, nah, you know what? He says, you know, the traffic is just too, too crazy to drive down there. And I said, I said, what? He said, the traffic is too, is too much. And I went, you, you, the traffic is too much. <laughs> and then that, that Sunday is when he missed the, the kicks and I went, and I, you know, and I put on Twitter. People in the in the press box turn around. They go, "You talked to him about that?" I go, "Yeah, I did." You want to hear the? Want to hear my interview?
0: <laughs> I remember that as you're saying it. I remember hearing about that. <laughs> oh man, yeah, I gotta love the confidence in the kicker spot right now.
1: <laughs> and 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 it's not like it's not an unimportant job. It's I an know. important job, and that's all you have to do: kicks and kickoffs. That's all you have to do.
0: My friend, I have a friend from high school. He'd never played football, but he was a soccer player, yeah. and went out for the football team. I think he started either sophomore or junior year as the kicker, and he was lights out. He'd never played football before.
1: It, like, that's that's usually what they always used to do. They always used to go to the soccer, you know, the soccer team, a collegiate soccer team, and look look at somebody they could do and try it out. That's what they used to do. But now uh, they have all these kicking clinics. They have all these kicking gurus, and and I think that that's what it's it's just like in another sports where you have you know somebody just. Uh, teaching catchers how to be a catcher, you're not learning how to be a player. You're learning how to be specific, and I think with a with a soccer player, there's they they have a great mentality too. They're killers, they're right. <laughs> killers.
0: Yeah, they are, and I feel I still say they make the best kickers in the NFL. And now I'm going to go off the field for a second because I've seen a lot of extensions handed out today in the NFL. Do you think Allen Robinson's going to get extended this year?
1: Oh, I think they almost have to. Uh, otherwise they're going to have to tag him at the end of the, you know, for for next season. And with the money issues being up in the air, I'll give, I'll give Ellen Robinson credit. When he spoke with us, he was not frantic about, you know, how players you can tell, you know, kind of twitchy about their situation. He was very calm, very collected. Uh, He's got a lot of confidence. And when you have that confidence, you know, eventually it would come, but, you know, I, I think it's important for the rest of the team to know that he's taken care of because they're all looking at themselves, like Tariq Cohen took him at himself for next year. So that and, and Mitchell Trubisky, you know, he, he's also, he didn't pick up his option. Mm-hmm. So there, there's a lot to be said about signing somebody that should be signed. And Matt Nagy spoke a lot about it more than once this week, which tells me that he's going, you know, he's kind of nudging Ryan Pace, like get it done, get it done. I hope he does. I
0: really hope that gets done. And I think I've hit everything on the field. But now I do have to ask for predictions for this year because this is airing in the eleven o'clock hour, and the kickoff's at noon for Game One. So, how do you think the Bears are going to do this year if you can put a record on it?
1: That's a tough one. I think they're going to be eight and eight.
0: Eight and eight. Okay.
1: I mean, eight and eight is is you know, I, I think if the season gets going completely, we don't know. We just don't know. And it's interesting that they 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 on the back end. Is when they have most of their divisional games. If you look at their schedule, Mm -hmm. they're in Detroit today, but on the back end is when they're gonna have to make some hay. And so if they don't have any injuries, eight and eight could get them in the playoffs. It could because the way they were restructuring the postseason. So,
0: yeah, I know a lot of my friends were saying eight and eight, and I'm thinking I could see nine and seven. I could see maybe, maybe 10 and six, but, or nine and seven, right? Did to, nine yeah, seven yeah. to 16 that's right that was
1: quarantine brain i'm calling you no, word, no, worries, no <laughs> worries i think they're gonna be the lines today i think it's gonna be interesting to see how the defense goes up against matthew stafford because they didn't face him last year um so it's gonna be interesting how they handle him but i also think that the i, I think the unpredictability is going to be interesting these first few weeks of the nfl no matter what
0: yeah, I saw the Lions at least last time I checked. I think it would have been Thursday. The Lions were three point favorites, and I I think the Bears are going to win.
1: I do. I think I think the defense is going to. I think the defense is going to be what's going to win games for them, like it did a couple of years ago. I think it's the defense is going to be really stellar, and I think Khalil Mack is a man on a mission. He was supposed to talk to us on Friday, but he kind of blew us off, mm-hmm. which tells me he's a mad, he's a madman. So yeah. you know, you can kind of tell when somebody's mad, and I think that's what's going on with him. You sure he and, wasn't on his Peloton? No, he didn't. We don't <laughs> even know where he was, uh, but that we do know me up. <laughs> he's he's an interesting dude. I mean, what he does love I love talking with Bulls about him because he's a big Bulls fan. So yeah. we we always have our look away from everybody else. We have our conversations about the Bulls, so that's always kind of fun. But I if, as long as Hakeem Hicks stays healthy, because when Hakeem Hicks went down, that's when the Cleveland Mac was a double and triple team. Mm-hmm. So Khalil Mack needs to have Akeem Hicks in that in that uh, front three, and I think the other thing is going to be interesting is how well will Blaine Nichols play without having Eddie Goldman, who decided to opt out this year.
0: Yeah, those are big questions. And is Akeem Hicks going to be healthy? Do you
1: think? I know he's been having a couple injuries in camp too. He's. I think he's. I think when you look at the uh, size, size of a guy like that, he's always going to have something bothering him. And I think uh, it, it's going to be really important that he that he is there that he does stay healthy. It's going to be interesting to see how their their secondary reacts without having a couple of players. And you got you know a couple. You got a rookie that's going to be starting. Jalen Johnson, the cornerback opposite uh, Kyle Fuller, the All Pro. So who do you think Matthew Stafford's going to throw at?
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, I'd be thinking that same thing. It's, I mean, if you're picking the rookie versus back. Oh, hmm. I think I'm going to go with Jalen Johnson yeah. <laughs> you know I think I think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year, but I'm looking at it from a fan perspective of but course I, I really think he can I like what I'm seeing out of him from college highlights and the little footage I've seen from training camp with all the restrictions
1: it, it is it is what and, and, and it's going to be interesting to see how players handled the protocol they dealt with it a lot we having a lot of false positives this this during the training camp and you know, going they're traveling, the Bears traveled to Detroit today. So when you travel, you know, is there anybody apprehensive about anything that they encountered today or last night? You know what I mean? Those, those are, those are mental factors that really bothered MLB and it didn't bother the NHL or the WBA or the NBA because they were smart to go in the bubble, but we'll see if there's any effect when we, when we uh, hear from them after the game.
0: Well, it's going to be an interesting season, no doubt, in more ways than one. But we've been talking with Cheryl Ray Stout here on the Sunday Sports Shootout. Cheryl, thank you so much for your time. Hopefully, we'll have you back on Talks some Baseball soon. Anytime, anytime.
1: Take care, Nick. You too.
0: That was Cheryl Ray Stout of WBEZ. Whoops. That was, that was Cheryl Ray Stout. I don't know what started playing after that on uh, my uh, player here. Sorry about that. But my thanks again to Cheryl. I love, love talking to her. She is so great and so knowledgeable. Like that Cody Parkey story, as much as it broke my heart, talking about the double doink and how he didn't practice at Soldier Field, that is a great story. And when he when she was talking about Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet having a great relationship because Cole Komet had Jimmy Graham's jersey, that's so awesome to me. And Cheryl's covering the game from her couch today, she told me. She's not in Detroit. But I could talk to her all day, and I'm really glad she could take the time. And I've got a few more Bears guests lined up down the road here. I'm really excited for the next few weeks here talking football. And it's going to be a lot of fun. I want to remind you, you're listening to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz broadcasting from the Schultz Sports Cave down in Dwight, Illinois, because we're working remotely this semester here at WLUW. We're not in the studio until at least December. So... Until then, I'm going to be back down here in small town USA talking football, baseball, basketball, you name it. And we are now less than a half hour away from kickoff between Bears and Lions to start the 2020 season. And a couple follow-up thoughts from my interview with Cheryl. Robert Quinn is out today with an ankle injury. And it's just an interesting situation because there was a lot of unknowns there. And like Cheryl said, it was very John Fox-esque, Matt Nagy's answers. Like, I was expecting... I was expecting to hear John Fox come to the podium and be like, yeah, well, uh, you know, he, he, he hurt himself. If we do know what he did, but he, he's not, he might play today. He might not play today. Who knows? Like, that's what I expected to hear out of Matt Nagy, who's always been super open. But Robert Quinn is out along with Riley Ridley, Arlington Hambright, who was a draft pick this year, Duke Shelley, Mario Edwards is out. The Bears just signed him, I believe. And Eric Sauber a tight end. That means... David Montgomery is active. Cordero Patterson is active. Akeem Hicks is active. Khalil Mack is active. And Ian Rappaport over at the NFL Network said Montgomery will be a full go today. He'll be staying a full full load. No pitch count, no nothing. He's going to be good to go after tweaking his groin. He fell down, what was it, a week and a half ago now, I think. He tweaked his groin, and people were wondering how long he'd be out. He's back for week one, and that's going to be a huge boost to the running game. Cordero Patterson's going to be back in full force, too. I know he he had, I think, a knee injury or something. But he's seeing snaps at running back, which I think is a really interesting move because he's such a versatile player, and he was so underused last year, along with the rest of the running game. Matt Nagy did not use the running game last year well at all. And I think I'm one of the few people still that think David Montgomery has a high ceiling. But having Cordero Patterson at the running back position as well as the wide receiver and kick returner, I hope he's going to get a lot more snaps because he's too talented to be seeing, 20, he, I think, at 28 touches he had last year. That's way too few for a guy like that. And I know he even said, that's not enough. So I'm, he's one of the players I'm watching close this year to have a breakout year. Granted, he was a pro bowler last year as a kick returner, but I think he's going to be even better all around this season. The Bears are 3 point underdogs today in Detroit and I think they're going to win. I do. I'll give my score prediction at the very end of the show cuz we still got 25 minutes left. But I really think the Bears are going to win this game today. And it's going to come down to and I can't believe I'm saying that they're going to win and it's going to come down to Cairo Santos's leg. But it's going to come down to Cairo Santos and if you recall, Cairo Santos came in after Robbie Gold left. And like I was talking about with Cheryl, he was here during the John Fox era. And I, I do want to, I'm going to bring John Fox back into the program here and ask him about, his, what, what do you think about the kicker? Oh, you know, uh, Car- Carlos Carlos Santos. Is uh, it Carlos? Cairo? Ca- Cairo Santos. He's got a good leg for us. Because he never got Cairo Santos' name right. They play the clip on ESPN 1000 all the time that it was Carlos Santos. No, it's Cairo Santos. And I, I love making fun of him for that, among other things. But, if, if Cairo Santos' leg can come through, I think the Bears are going to win. It's going to be interesting, though. I don't entirely trust the kicking game. I haven't trusted the kicking game since Robbie Gold left, and especially since the, the dreaded double doink against the Eagles. That still haunts my memory. And one more Bears thought before I move on to baseball and college football is I, I really think the Bears need to extend Allen Robinson. I know, that's a real hot take that you haven't seen anywhere else. You've not seen anyone else say that Allen Robinson needs to be extended. But that needs to happen. And especially last night, the Bears are handing out Jordans to the guys, which I think is super cool that they all got a pair of Jordans. And I know that doesn't come from, like, the football ops fun, but it's fun to make fun of, like, okay, they got a pair of Jordans each. Extend Allen Robinson now. And I I think they will. I think they almost have to because he's one of – Mitch Trubisky's biggest weapons. or Maybe down the road would be one of Nick Foles' biggest weapons. That said, I'm not sure he's, like, one of the best wide receivers in the game. I've said that since they got him. I think he's solid. Don't get me wrong. He's a solid WR1. But I don't think he's one of, like, the stars in the game. I really think a big name, a wide receiver, would be huge for the offense. But for right now, he's your number one guy. you got to keep him around. And he's not like he's been a disappointment. He's been very good at the wide receiver spot. And I, I think that's going to continue this year, and they need to re-sign him. That being said, talking about the receiving core, and I touched on it with Cheryl. I think Allen Robinson's going to have a really good year again. I, I don't think he's going to have a down year at all. I think you're going to see Jimmy Graham and Cole Komet jump off the page. I wasn't sure about putting that out there until Cheryl said that Jimmy Graham looks like he's rejuvenating. He looks like a young player again. And the fact that Cole Komet is under his wing, I really like Cole Komet. Like, I think I'm almost, I think I'm way too hype about Cole Komet. But I think the two of them can be really good assets to this offense. Because, like we said, Jesper Horsted at one point was listed as tight end one. If you'd ever heard of Jesper Horstead before last year, I'd say I'd shake your hand, but with COVID-19 going around, I'll give you an elbow bump. Because I'd never heard of Jesper Horstead. So now, he's on the practice squad, and that just speaks volumes to how bad the tight end position was. Because I wanted to like Trey Burton. I really thought he was going to turn into something like he was with the Eagles. And he ended up just not performing and getting hurt all the time. And he's hurt again this year. So now, Trubisky and probably Foles, I'm going to keep using that interchangeably because I'm, I'm not sure how the quarterback situation is going to unfold here. I'm going to kind of use them interchangeably. But Trubisky and Foles have two, I think, strong weapons at tight end in Graham and Kmet. And hopefully Jimmy Graham doesn't underperform because they're paying him a lot more money than I think they should given his age and it's not like he's been lights out the last few years. But I think he can be a really good mentor to Cole Komet because I think Cole Komet's going to be a rising star in the NFL. I mean, I saw what the guy did at Notre Dame. And if you watched the Notre Dame game yesterday, you could tell Ian Book was struggling in the first half because he didn't have his receiving core that included Cole Komet. And I think he was one of three players to account for 59% of Notre Dame's receptions last year. So now he's on the Bears. I think that's going to continue, and it's going to, he's going to be very valuable to the offense. But noon kickoff, 20 minutes away. I'm excited, but I'm not going to talk football for the next 20 minutes. I'm moving on to baseball because I think the Cubs had one of their biggest wins of the season last night, if not their biggest win of the season because they were down 2-0 to, to the Milwaukee Brewers going into the ninth inning. And I was sitting there saying, we had, I had family over last night. We were all, all watching the game. And I was saying, because they were wanting to watch a movie. I've got cousins that are in 7th and 8th grade. They're like, can we watch a movie? And I'm like, I want to watch the baseball game, because it's a Cubs game. And I'm watching, and I'm sitting there going, well, we just throw on a movie. I don't know if I want to subject myself to this. Josh Hader's coming in, in the ninth inning. They can't touch Josh Hader. Then, all of a sudden, Javi Baez gets a base hit. And then Anthony Rizzo comes in to pinch hit. He gets a base hit that moves by to third. Billy Hamilton comes in to pinch run. I really want to like Billy Hamilton as a pinch runner. I think he's going to be good, but that's a topic for another time. So you got runners on first and third against Josh Hader, and Jason Hayward, a lefty, comes up to bat. Hader usually mows down lefties because he's a lefty in that weird arm slot. It throws off lefties. And our feed has a delay. we stream and usually I get the alert beforehand well I had I had my nephew on my lap all of of eight months old little Oscar you've seen him on my Twitter page and I didn't feel my phone vibrate with an alert so I had the surprise when Hayward put one out to center field a little bit to the right of center field to put the Cubs up three nothing and it was just I didn't think that was going to happen just because again they're going up against Josh Hader Josh Hader is a Cubs killer. They just, they never seem to be able to touch him. Like, I, I don't know what it is about him. I, just, I don't know if it's the arm slot. I don't know if it's his pitch, if it's his uh, pitch repertoire or what. But Josh Hader seems to mow down the Cubs and the fact that Jason Hayward got that home run last night. And then, I think it's Il Margo Vargas, is that how you pronounce it? I'd never heard of this guy until a couple days ago. And he comes up, and goes back-to-back with Hayward to left field. And it's a 4-2, to Cubs lead. And it was exciting. Like, oh, okay. Are they finally finding the offense? Because going into that ninth inning, I think they had four hits in the game. And that would be seven hits over their last two games. Which, I'm not a mathematician at all, but I can tell you that's not good. Especially when they scored no runs in the game before. And they got a runner to third in that game before. And it was their first runner that far since Tuesday. That's not good. I'm having flashbacks to the end of Joe Madden era. But they found their offense in that ninth inning, and hopefully that can lead to something more. And as we're getting high on the Cubs' offense's back train, we're thinking, okay, they're going to win this game now. They're finally going to beat the Brewers and Josh Hader. In comes Craig Kimbrell. And Kimbrell, as I've talked about on the show many times, is kind of riding a roller coaster this year. And he takes you on the roller coaster ride with him. He's been better as of late. He had a streak going into last night of 10 straight appearances with two strikeouts or more. And last night he comes in and we're thinking, oh boy, this is high leverage. Is he going to be able to do this? First batter comes up, gets a base hit. And we're like, okay, one hit, not the end of the world. It's not the end of the world. Now the next batter comes up and gets a base hit. And then we're sitting there squirming, thinking, oh boy. This is going to be really interesting. And then he strikes out Dan Vogelbach, who is a former Cubs farmhand. I saw him play at Class A Kane County with Albert Amora, Wilson Contreras, and all that. And I forgot that the Brewers had him until he came up. He strikes out. And then Kimbrough gets the next two guys. It wasn't a very clean appearance. It was a very, it was kind of shaky. But he got the job done. And that's really all you can ask for anymore with him is he gets the job done somehow. Because that doesn't happen easily that he gets the job done because he takes you on that ride. And last night, I think, was one of his better appearances outside of the first two batters. Do I think he should have the closer rollback? No, not yet. I think Joe Madden would have given it back to him by now. But I think David Ross is playing the long game here. And he's doing it the right way. I wouldn't give Kim the closer rollback. But the fact that he's putting him in in late innings and getting him in those high-leverage spots and seeing how he performs and seeing if he can, I don't know if it's a confidence issue or what, but the fact that he can get out of those, that's a good thing. And that's going to bode well down the road. Because the Cubs are going to need late-inning relief help, so they're not riding Rowan Wick, easy for me to say, Rowan Wick and Jeremy Jeffress. And Rossi said after the game that Jeffress was down last night. He pitched back-to-back days. And Rowan Wick was down too. That's why Kimbrel was in. And I saw people on Twitter wondering where Jeffress was. And it's because Rossi said he was down and wasn't going to pitch last night, no matter what. So I liked that Kimbrough got out of it, and that's going to that's gonna be a huge help down the road. And there's only a few games left, believe it or not. Yeah, we're almost done with the regular season here. And I saw Jeff passens reporting that the MLB is trying to finalize a playoff bubble plan. And that's good. And as, it's, as we, going into last night, the Cubs and the Sox would both be number three seeds in the playoffs, which is exciting. And that's going to segue into my White Sox conversation, because Chicago beat Detroit 14-0 last night, and the football game's not even till today. White Sox put up 14 runs on the Detroit Tigers, led by Jose Abreu, with seven RBI, two three-run home runs, in back-to-back innings. The offense is looking good, as it should. That's a high-powered offense, and they should be looking good. Granted, the other night against Detroit, against Casey Mize, they didn't look great until Eloy Jimenez hit one at his eyes over the fence. And then you're like, okay, they're showing signs of life. Then they come out last night and just run circles around Detroit. Literally, run circles around Detroit. The other news to come out of the White Sox this week is that Dallas Keuchel hurt his back. It's nothing serious. At least that's what Ricky Renteria says. He's on the 10-day IL, but that's just procedure because he's going to miss his next start. I don't think it's time to overreact on that, even though he's their most reliable pitcher. You know what I learned about Dallas Keuchel last night? This is kind of unrelated, but I learned that his average fastball velocity is slower than Kyle Hendricks. He averages about 86 miles an hour. Hendricks is 87. I mean, I knew Keichel didn't throw the hardest. I know he's not exactly like Randy Johnson out there. But the fact that he throws 86 miles an hour is kind of Greg Maddox-esque. I, didn't, I just didn't realize that. I don't know if I just didn't pay attention. I don't know if it's because I'm a Cubs fan at heart. and I, I watch the White Sox. My dad's a White Sox fan. My sister's a White Sox fan. I don't know if it's because I watch the Cubs more and just kind of watch the Sox so I know what's going on with them. But I just didn't realize that he threw that slow. And it's not a bad thing because it works. Like, I mean, Greg Maddox didn't throw hard, and he was first ballot Hall of Famer. That was just an interesting tidbit I got from the broadcast last night. But I don't think Keichel's injury is going to be too serious. And it's going to test the Sox pitching depth. Because outside of Giolito and Keichel, they don't have a lot of starting pitching depth. I don't think Dylan Cease has taken that leap yet. And I I said my opinions on that. I think part of that's on his manager and part of that's on his pitching coach. But Dylan Cease isn't there yet. Don't even get me started on Ronaldo Lopez. I don't know why he's still on the team. And I know I'm not the only one who thinks that. Like, why is Ronaldo Lopez still getting starts on the big league club? Send him to Schaumburg. And they did. They sent him to Schaumburg. But he's been a big piece of the rotation going forward. Or... So far this season, I don't know how he'll be going forward. But outside of Giolito and Keichel, who's down, I don't know who the Sox have in the starting rotation. And Today's going to be a bullpen day against the Tigers. I don't know, maybe maybe Ricky Renteria can throw Jimmy Cordero into the starting rotation, who saw another appearance last night. And this is something I talked about last week. Jimmy Cordero is pitching damn near every day, it seems like. And if you listen to Cap'n Jay Hood on ESPN 1000, they talk about it all the time. Jay Hood has a running gag about how it's Jimmy Cordero's 138th appearance of a 60-game season. It cracks me up. And the worst part is he's not entirely off because Ricky Renteria keeps riding that kid's arm, and he's going to destroy that arm. I'm having flashbacks to Dusty Baker and Mark Pryor here. Granted, Mark Pryor was a starter, so it's, very, it's a different, different animal here. But why is Jimmy Cordero coming in every day? Why is he coming in in big spots? He's young. Like, I know you want to get him experience there, but you're in a playoff hunt. And speaking of starters staying in too long, with me bringing up Dusty Baker and Mark Pryor, I am genuinely curious as to why Lucas Giolito was still in that game on Friday. He was upward of 105 pitches, and Ricky left him in, and the Tigers hit a home run. Why in the world is he still in that game? And, I mean, my dad and I were talking about it watching the game. We're like, why is he still in there? Get him out. He's over 100 pitches. It was going to be his last inning no matter what. Maybe Cordero just wasn't ready in the bullpen yet. But why was Giolito still in that game? Again, you're in a playoff hunt. As we sit here right now on September 13th, the Sox are in a playoff hunt. And again, I know it's not the playoff hunt of old because the top two teams get in. It's not a true pennant race anymore. But you're in a playoff hunt. You need those arms for the playoffs. Because, no, the Sox aren't in a place where they can win the World Series just yet. But they can sure try to make a run in the playoffs. You play to win. I mean, could they surprise us and make it to the World Series and win the pennant? Sure. Sure. But you need your arms to be fresh and not left in for 100 pitches and a game against the Detroit Tigers. And Giolito wasn't exactly having a great game. He wasn't having a bad game by any means. But it wasn't the Lucas Giolito who threw a no-hitter a few weeks ago. He wasn't that sharp. There's a reason he was at 100-some pitches at that point. This was in, what, 6th inning, 7th inning? That's another knock against Ricky Renteria. I just don't think... I keep saying it. I sound like a broken record. I know I've said it every week. After this season, the Sox really need to look at the manager spot. But again, there are only a couple weeks left here. And both managers, David Ross and Ricky Renteria, need to buckle down and get ready for the playoff hunt. Because I know Rossi's made some questionable decisions as well. And Ricky gave... Louis Robert a day off today, which I saw my guy Josh Nelson over at Sox Machine on Twitter say this better be Luis Robert's last day off the rest of the season. Because Ricky's known to do that. He's known to give guys days off at a bad time. Or if you go back to last year, he's known to put Tim Anderson at the bottom of the order. Which I disagreed with then and I disagreed with now. Now he got smart and put him in the leadoff spot and Nick Madrigal's a the night hitter. Now he's getting smart with the batting order. But both managers have to buckle down. Like we're getting close to playoff time. Something's got to change with these decisions because I'm seeing questionable decisions on both sides of town. And with Rossi, it's with the bullpen. With Ricky, it's the starting rotation. I got six and a half minutes left here, and that's before Bears-Lions kickoff at noon. And we got to talk some college football because college football is back. Well, most of college football is back. I finally got to watch my fight in Irish yesterday against Duke. And it wasn't the blowout it should have been. But I'm glad I got to watch Notre Dame football. And I also got to watch Iowa State against Louisiana yesterday. What I didn't get to watch was Northwestern, Illinois. And that's because the Big Ten decided they weren't going to play football this year. And, okay, I'm going to be honest. I don't think they should be playing college football. That said, if every other conference can find a way to do it, and now the SEC didn't play yesterday. They were doing a delayed start, which, that's smart. But, the other conferences, ACC. Notre, Notre Dame's in the ACC this year, which don't get me started on that. I, I still think they should be team independent, but for this year, I get it. But I was, I was watching ACC football. I was watching the Sun Belt. I was watching the Big 12. The Big 10 has kind of bungled this, this return to football plan. And there's just been a lot of miscommunication there. And we're seeing reports. I know uh, Nicole Auerbach at the Athletics all over this, and so is uh, – I think was it Pat Fo- was it Pat 40 at Sports Illustrated they're saying there's a vote coming soon from the Big Ten about returning to football as soon as October and to that I say finally and I'm seeing I'm even seeing tweets on my Twitter I got my tweet deck open here during the show and I'm seeing people retweet that big Ten players are still wanting to play with the hashtag we want to play and I see Justin Fields here saying to my Big Ten brothers, do not be discouraged. Trust the process and make your voice heard. Let them know. Hashtag we want to play. That just came up on my Twitter timeline. This is Sunday. The games were yesterday. And I saw a lot of tweets yesterday from Big Ten players saying we want to play. And like I said, I'm not advocating for the full return of college football because I, I said at the time they shouldn't be playing. But now looking at it, like, if you're the Big Ten, you've got to think, okay, everyone else is finding a way to do this. We have to find a way to play. And I like that they're putting the health and safety of student athletes first because that doesn't always happen in the NCAA. And I've ranted about the NCAA before. So I get where they're coming from. But you're opening up a can of worms here if every other conference is starting to, starting to play right now. So, yes, Kevin Warren needs to figure out what to do. And, yes, the presidents and chancellors need to decide on a plan. And I'm glad there's a vote coming because that's a step. And someone tweeted yesterday, this is the step before the step. So, hopefully, we can see some Big Ten football along with every other conference. So, I just had to get that off my chest because I haven't really talked about the Big Ten situation because I haven't really formed an opinion on it until yesterday, watching all the other teams play and seeing all the tweets on Twitter. So, no, I say again, they probably shouldn't be playing college football right now. But every other conference has found a way. So the Big Ten can absolutely find a way. Got two and a half minutes left of the show. And I'm going to go back to the Bears because, again, it's opening day, baby. I'm excited. I have uh, up here in the the Schultz Sports Cave, as I'm calling it, in the upstairs of my detached garage in Dwight, Illinois, we have a TV, and I have it on behind me because I'm talking toward the wall because of acoustics. And on my TV, I have football because we have kickoff in two minutes from Field in Detroit. Bears-Lions back. Mitchell Trubisky starting. I know a lot of fans aren't aren't liking that. He, he tears up Detroit. He goes right through him. I think they're gonna win today. I think the final score is gonna be 24-21. He's gonna come down to Cairo Santos's leg. Or, as John Fox and apparently the Lions PA announcer call him, it's gonna come down to Carlos Santos's leg. Yeah, Carlos Santos he's, he's gonna win the game for us today. That's how John Fox would say it. But Bears 24-21, that's going to be the final today. And we have a lot of Bears talk, coverage coming up in the next few weeks as the season goes on, and especially with the baseball pennant race, well, quote-unquote pennant race, coming up. It's going to be a lot of fun. I also didn't really get to talk about Billy Donovan to the Bulls, which I guess I'll table that for next week, or I'll find a way to talk about it on Twitter I'm going to be on Billy Donovan watch. Because if I'm Arturis Karnaschovas, I'm calling Billy Donovan. I think he was let go Monday night into Tuesday. I was calling him Tuesday morning. So I'll talk more about that next week. Because obviously with opening day today, I was going to be heavy football. And my thanks again to Cheryl Ray Stout for taking the time to come on and talk some football. Because that was a really, really good conversation. And as I tweeted out, my interviews are now available in podcast form. So now if you want to go back and listen to an interview, you don't have to listen to me go on and on and on about Chicago sports. You can just listen to the interviews. And you can go back to the archives with Ben Pope, Rod Schaefer, Rob, that's Rob Schaefer, Bruce Miles, Lawrence Kramer at the DePaulia, even my interview from January with Chad Linscock at the Evansville Courier and Press about Walter McCarty's situation at the University of Evansville. You can go back and listen to all of it, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'm out of time. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask. And football season is officially here because it's noon, and we've got a lot of Bears coverage coming up soon. Until then, I will see everyone next week. Have a great week, everybody.